Hey everybody, you are listening to Grace Bond Ministries. Grace Bond Ministries is about sharing the Word of God, having conversations about difficult topics, talking about apologetics, coming together, tackling issues, answering questions, studying the scripture, uh, doing devotionals. Listen, Grace Bond Ministries has so many different things that we're going to talk about, that we have talked about, we're going to continue talking about. Uh, and this podcast is made for someone who wants to know more about the Christian faith or wants answers to their questions or just wants to ask questions or just wants a safe place to talk about things, even things like politics, you know, abortion, uh, homosexuality, hell, you know, or just how do I have strong faith? That's what you're going to get when you listen to Grace Bond Ministries. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you are blessed and encouraged by what we do here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Grace Bond Ministries. We are excited to uh, come to you with this topic, and we just want to thank you for tuning in. So uh, the topic today, as I'm sure you figured out by the title and description, uh, but the topic today is about... Uh, it's it's about Bible translations, right? So uh, when when you look at uh, if you go to the store and you're like, hey, I'm looking to buy a Bible, and you're gonna look at this shelf, or if you go into you know a pastor's office, you're gonna look on the shelf, and you're gonna see Bible translations of all kinds. I mean, there's NIV, there's HCSB, there's ESV, there's NLT, there's the Message, whatever that is, and um, you know there's all kinds of Bible translations. So we want to kind of clarify a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, with you on the on this podcast and explain some of the things that will help you to understand uh, these these things as well. Christian, you got anything to add there for the intro? Yeah, we're excited. We want you to, oftentimes it's hard to pick a translation, but once you find the one that you really like, you can stick with it. And we want you to get something that you'll be able to read, to study, to know more about God. And so hopefully this podcast can help you answer some of the questions you might have had about translations. All right. So we hope that you will tune in to the rest of the podcast, uh, uh, either coming up if you're listening to this and you're listening to the intro, or, uh, you know, if you're, if you're just watching the, the intro before it releases, we, we hope that you'll come back and uh, listen to it uh, this Sunday at three o'clock is when we release our podcast. So uh, make sure that you tune in and we will see you on the podcast. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Alright, so we're here on Grace Bond Ministries. It is uh, good to be back with you guys. Christian and I, we haven't recorded something in a long time. Uh, we recorded with Miss Joanne Lapp a few weeks ago as she shared her testimony. Um, but a recording like where we just tackle a subject or a topic or talk about something uh, we haven't done in a while. So we're, we're excited to yeah. uh, come back. And, uh, you know, if you're watching this, this is actually our second time recording the same podcast because we had some technical difficulties. Uh, and uh, long story short, we only had my side of the recordings. And so uh, it was pretty much just me looking like I'm talking to myself. So, uh, uh, but from the looks of it, I was a good listener as well as a good talker. So, <laughs> but anyways, we're coming to you again. And as you heard in the intro, we're, we're tackling the the topic of of Bible translations, and uh, it's a very very fascinating topic to me. I mean, I think there's different aspects of it that you're probably only going to find interesting if you're like a history buff or something like that, or uh, just a Bible nerd. Uh, that's one thing I have to figure out in my life. You know, what is something that I'm interested in because I'm a Bible nerd? And what is something I'm interested in because it's just stuff that Christian needs and Christians need to know, not Christian himself. Um, Me too. Yeah. You need, <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> you know, so um, anyways, that's what we're talking about. Christian, you got any, any opening thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's something that I've always looked at, always had fun looking at all the different charts and seeing which one's compared to better compared to another one, or are they a lot of similarities or some people can get very heated about this topic, but I don't think I'm wanting to get heated. 
That's yeah. a fun one to discuss. Me and Christian have uh, – I'm a, I'm a King James only guy, so uh, it's about, we're about to get a heated debate going on in here. <laughs> we know that ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Bible translations, all right? So uh, we kind of – to kind of start this off, we, 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 we wanted to kind of just back up and just talk about the Bible in general. Um, you know, I was just preaching to youth, and granted, they're youth, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect too many youth to know that, maybe not even know that the Bible was not originally written in English. I mean, just never, not that they really thought about it or anything. It's just they just never thought about it, and so they just really don't know it, you know. Uh, but I mean, there are there are adults too that I think don't don't even know that the Bible was not originally written, you know, in English. Um, you know, but you give it some general thought, you're going to know like, okay, well, English really wasn't around for a while. <laughs> so it's kind of weird that, that we would think it was written in English, but, uh, you know, did Jesus speak English? Obviously not, you know, so, uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about there. So just to begin with, I mean, the, the original Bible, so the Hebrew, uh, I mean, the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in, in Greek and Aramaic, uh, I mean, mostly Greek, um, but it was written in a little bit of both. Um, and eventually the old Testament was finished around 500 BC. Uh, so almost about a thousand years worth of writing, uh, and collecting of these books. And, uh, but by the, by about 500 BC, everything in the old Testament was written. Um, and, uh, uh, and then there's a, what's called the, the Greek Septuagint. And the Septuagint is a Greek translation of the old Testament, uh, which came right around, uh, what was it? 250. I think it was Christian 250 AD. I mean, 250 BC, somewhere around 200. But uh, so, anyways, around 200 BC, the Septuagint was written. So, when Jesus was around, uh, he probably spoke Greek and maybe spoke a little bit of Hebrew. Um, but Greek kind of really had taken over uh, the the culture. I mean, it was the language of the culture, and so uh, you see a little bit of Hebrew still around, but it's mostly Greek speaking. It's Greek writing. Um, things like that. So the New Testament is primarily primarily written in Greek. And so we already, even if we just so easily had gotten all the books and they were collected all together in one sitting, uh, you know, the, the, the New Testament was finished by the end of the first century. You know, so even if like by the end of the first century, we had the, the canon uh, in our hands, you know, like kind of like we have it today, we still would be having the problem of, uh, you know, the translations from one language to another. And, and, and you know, these translation issues, even if you know, even if, um, you know, Spanish, you know, Spanish to English, English to Spanish, it's, it's that same kind of idea, German or French or whatever it may be. Uh, Christian, do you have something? If you've to ever add? used Google Translate, you can know there's translation issues. Yeah. <laughs> Our sentences don't look the same as uh, Spanish sentences even. Like yeah, right. Like adjective after the noun and all that other stuff. Yeah. And plus anybody that teaches you English, or, or another language will tell you English is the hardest language in the world because of the inconsistency yeah. of it. So uh, we're already at a disadvantage from the language that we're kind of given. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so, so that's where we're starting. Do you have any, anything to add there, Christian? I mean, if not, just go ahead and continue our conversation. I'll be good. Yeah. So we have the council of Jamney. I was learning about that's when in about the first century, AD when they put together the Old Testament and then you have do you remember what the council was called when they put together in the New Testament canon? Was no. that Nicaea or no? Uh, I know Athanasius is the one that did it but I don't remember what the council was called. It's not Trent was it? All these different councils. We learned about this in Bible history. <laughs> but so all of these guys, all the books in the Bible were written and inspired by authors written down to their scribes, and then translations were steady made over time. And so they were written on documents, and they had to steadily be updated or given across different times of history. And if they were burned, they would have to try to re-put together. And so... We can kind of see it now. The the amount of translations we have today is wild compared to what 
they even had back then. Because if you were in the Old Testament, you had a small amount of translations and scrolls inside the temple. And then when Israel and Judah were taken over, you're having to dig them back out, find them in the ruins and try to put them all together. And so you have the Old Testament and New Testament written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. I think I'm just repeating until we find our counts. So that one guy named Athanasius. But basically the council was uh, religious leaders getting together and figuring out what was supposed to be in the canon, what is in the Bible that we have now in the Protestant. And so it's not that certain books weren't written by people, but you can see contradictions in books that aren't in the canon, like you have the Gospel of Thomas, and there's another book of Corinthians that's mentioned that was written, but we don't have, that's not a part of the canon. And we can see the difference, even reading it, the power of the books that are in the canon versus the books that they did not put in. And in the Catholic Bible, we see different books that were added that were not added during this part of the canon. Yeah, and really, I mean, it's, I guess it's not necessarily weren't added, but they were just so debated. And then really, yeah. uh, I mean, to be honest with you, they were just kind of debated out. Um, because, <laughs> I, I mean, the the authority, the, the, the same authority was not imposed on both scriptures. Uh, but I think the biggest thing was is who wrote them and, and the, the you know, there a lot of these writers of the Apocrypha. We don't know who they are. and uh, You know, not that we necessarily have to know. I mean, granted, the, the canon of Scripture is a is just a huge subject. Um, but pretty much, you know, we kind of go off of what what was used and, uh, you know, what was decided and, and, and you know, what what was what was actually being used? What was God using in his church? Uh, throughout all these years when, when there was not a, a Bible like we have today. And it, it's kind of a hard concept for us to understand because we're so used to having that Bible with the collection of the 66 books. But, you know, that, that whole process of how that actually came about, that we have 66 books, I mean, it took years. Uh, I mean, it took a lot of years. And and so, uh, you know, finally, by the, by the end of the fourth century, uh, it seems pretty well established that, the 27 books of the New Testament are this, this is it. Um, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the Gnostics that were coming in there and saying that these other books were scripture when they weren't, you know, like the gospel, there's a, there's a book out there called the gospel of Peter that there's no way, there's no way possible that it was written by Peter. So we know that it was probably not trustworthy and maybe just some kind of fiction, uh, folktale or something based off of, of biblical principles and stories and, um, you know, so there's stuff like that. But the important thing is, the bottom line is, I mean, for translations today is that uh, it's based off of the canon of the Old Testament, New Testament that we have today. So the 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 uh, uh, 27 books of the New Testament and that leaves what? The Old Testament. Oh, I was 39. If I got to it. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, so we got 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. So now we got the 66 books and then over time. We've got, like I said, some of these are written in Hebrew, and a lot of this was written in Greek. Well, it was all written in Greek at some point. And so we get different texts that pop up. So you got Codex Vaticanus, uh, uh, the Textus Receptus. And uh, so here comes this issue that starts arising when you start translating it. So Latin was one of the first languages that the Bible was translated into from Greek, and that was because... Uh, primarily, it seems like it was because of the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church and their authority in government. And so they basically translated the Bible into Latin to where only the priest could read it because not too many people could actually read Latin. Um, and so they made it to where the priest of the Catholic Church is pretty much the only one that could read it. Now, if you talk to a Catholic, they're going to tell you that that's not true and that, that it was not intended to be that way or whatever. But uh, they pretty much... You know, without actually saying you can't read the scripture, they said uh, we're going to, you know, they did everything in their power to make sure nobody else could read it. To, I think to maintain that control. And so that's what a lot of the reformers took issue with is that uh, and Erasmus, you know, took issue with is that the people don't have access to the Bible. And so that's where that idea of the priesthood of the believer comes in, because, um, you know, as Christians, we need to be able to read the Bible for ourselves and and really know the doctrines and 
actually read the doctrines and the stories and things by to our you know to ourselves to understand the scriptures uh you know and the authority where does authority come from stuff like that it's a different topic too um but all we're trying to do right now is just kind of give you the background of how we got to where we're at all right so we got the original text were written we've got uh the canon of scripture was kind of decided it was figured out i guess is probably a better phrase uh not necessarily decided but it was figured out that these were god's scriptures um uh and then after that we started getting translations uh and then let me see what that date was so there was by the by 500 ad the scriptures had already been translated into over 500 languages uh by then uh, and different i think that's different respects of it because uh, yeah, because in 600 AD, the Latin was the only language allowed for scripture. So, um, you know, but it, as it was passed around to different areas and things like that. But anyways, uh, so we get to start getting the translations of the scriptures into language, different languages and stuff. And so after it's in Latin, a lot of the translations actually use the Latin Vulgate uh, to translate. Um, and then a couple other, you know, as other other uh, languages kind of popped up. I mean, the, the scripture was... Uh, you know, eventually being translated into each language. And so uh, that's why when somebody says we got thousands of manuscripts, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the manuscripts that split. And there's like manuscripts all over the place in different languages. And you bring them all together and they all pretty much say the same thing. So, uh, so now, okay, we move on into uh, like what we have today. So where are we getting our translations from uh, today? Uh, I'll go ahead and pass it over to you, Christian. So we're talking about the majority versus minority text. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe maybe you could try it this time. <laughs> <laughs> so the majority text is what do we have that's the most full, right? The majority of the text, I guess you could say. And so the Texas Receptus goes back to Erasmus, what we were talking about. During that Reformation period, we all know about Martin Luther. He went and he nailed the 95 Theses and uh was going against the catholic church and this is about the same time erasmus was going around and he had the first printed greek new testament and he had pretty much all of it except for the last couple chapters of revelation and so it, probably even in the king james some of the king james today the last couple of chapters starts to get different on revelation because that's what was missing and that's what he created the texas receptus which is what the king james and the new king james really look at that's the majority text and now a lot of the other translations looks at the minority text like the esv the nasb but the minority text it's what's the latest manuscript that we have and so they look they say the latest because that's probably the closest because if it's the closest to what was actually written by the apostles then there's probably less of a chance of additions to the scriptures and less of a chance for translation errors because if you've ever tried to translate anything there's bound to be errors in it somewhere and so the closer you are to the original writing it's harder to translate it or miss or mistranslate it harder to say and so that's where you get your more word-for-word -word translations is towards the minority text yeah and, and I mean, really, the the translation they call them textual variants. Um, you know, well, there's two different issues that pop up. So there's textual variants. These are differences between the manus, the different manuscript copies that we have. So like, one of them is like the spelling of Bethsaida. You know, some people spelled it differently. It could have been based on their location or whatever it may be. Uh, some manuscripts add maybe something to the to the. You know, not, not that they add an idea or add a thought. It's just kind of like they add on to something like at the end of the Lord's Prayer, um, that it's possible that the, the end of the Lord's Prayer uh, was added on. Uh, and, and, you know, when it says, uh, for thine is the power and the and the power and the kingdom. And, oh, gosh, <laughs> it's late, y'all. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to think of it. The power and the, king, in the, the, power and the kingdom and the glory forever and forever ever. Forever and ever, amen. Um, but anyways, so the end of the Lord's prayer was something that was probably added on in later manuscripts, um, or no, it was found actually in the, no, it was, it was added on in later manuscripts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm getting all confused. Um, 
so you know there's stuff like that like yeah it's not it's not like they're they're adding they're not trying to add doctrines or take away doctrines it's just uh adding another thought on or something like that and so uh, minority text folks would say okay we don't need to add that on because that is not that is not from the, in the oldest manuscripts that we have access to so that's that's the big debate there uh so especially when somebody is really actually defending kjv the, the king james version as the best bible um you know if if they're worth their two cents they're probably talking about this difference between the minority and majority text and and really it's just a philosophy of of translation is really all it is so do we take this mass amount of text and you know even if they're written in you know 700 800 i mean do we take the latin vulgate or you know if we find older manuscripts that are closer to the times that the bible was written do we prefer those translations over some of the the newer uh trans the newer uh, uh you know, translations or copies or fragments or manuscripts that we find. Uh, so that's really the philosophy there. Um, and so personally for me, I think, and I, and obviously this is the same for most translators. Uh, I'm not a translator, but you know, for most translators, they also believe that it's the minority text philosophy is the way to go, that it's probably more likely that somebody would add on to it than would take away from it. You know, so that's one of the arguments from KJV people, KJV only people is, that other translations take away from what the KJV has. Um, so they're actually taking away from scripture, but it's based off of the, the text, the, the manuscripts that we have and this philosophy of minority text over the majority text. So, um, and if you have a good Bible anyways, like, you know, I know people that they use the new King James because in the new King James, it, yeah, it sticks with the majority text, but it it always puts the minority text translation in the footnote. So, I mean, if you're really convinced that the majority text is the way to go, you know, that's fine. But, you know, you just want to be aware of some of the older manuscripts that we have. And so when King James, the King James Bible was written and some of those translations around then, they didn't have a lot of the older translations that we found. I mean, honestly, within the last hundred years, uh, it's been pretty remarkable what we found, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, and I think you're right, Christian. I think that was about 1940. So, uh, you know, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which was, you know, pretty much a, a, a translation, a copy of, of a lot of the Old Testament scriptures. Um, yeah. So, um, so let, let's let's get to talking about this. So let's actually talk. All right. So all that history and all that. Okay. We passed all that history, and now we're here. Okay. When when somebody creates a translation, right? Like the CSB Bible. So if you look at the, if you have a CSB Bible and you look at the front and it'll tell you about where the CSB comes from and all that, you know, the CSB was written from, uh, at a hundred translators that worked on it together from different denominations, different backgrounds, uh, all worked on the translation together to try to get the most accurate translation, but they also worked hard to make it readable. Uh, uh, it's just, you know, in, in most Bibles you have, especially study Bibles, they're going to explain all this at the beginning of your Bible. Why, you know, why they're why the way they translate it is the way that the translators prefer to translate it. Uh, and so, there's two different types here. Christian Christian's got a a chart too. If you want to go ahead and pull that up, uh, and I'll I'll kind of keep explaining it to get pulled up. But um, so on this chart, it talks about there. There's two different uh, two different ways to translate. Uh, even even so you got the minority majority text that's a different debate all right but most of these modern translations agree with the minority text philosophy um, uh, and so once you actually translate from the greek text once you actually translate from the greek text then you have to decide which is better a a more of like a thought for thought or what's called a dynamic equivalence uh, translation or a word for word, which is more of like a formal or more, I hate, I don't like using the word literal, but uh, you know, a more formal equivalence is what it's called here, but it's more like a word for word. So if the Greek says it, they try to match the Greek that the best is possible. Um, so Christian, why don't you explain a little bit, you know, a little bit more about, you know, what, the, what this means. Yeah. So you were getting, I'll try you got to it with the word for word. Yeah. I'll try to find an example while you're uh, doing that. Yeah. So word for word translations, you have the NASB, 
the ESV, and then you get into the King James, New King James, CSB. These translations look at the Greek word and they translate it exactly what it would mean in English. Now, they run into some language barriers where we don't quite have an English word that describes that because they've got like the perfect tense, which means continuous, and then they've got male, female, and neuter nouns, and then all these different uh, not translations. What are they called? Wow. Words are leaving me. English are hard. (laughs) But they've got these different forms of the words that we may not necessarily have in English. And so they do their best to go word for word, word by word. And now you move to the thought for thought translations. You got the NIV, the NLT. You're trying to think of like tenses you're talking about? Yeah, tenses. Yeah. Yeah. English syntax or syntax and all that. Yeah. Form of the sentence. So with NLT and then I know that's the new international revised version and then GW's the God's world translation and some of these other ones. But they take a thought, so they look at a paragraph and try to sum it up, or they look at a whole sentence and try to translate it from that. They don't go word by word, which makes it a little bit easier to translate, and it a lot of times makes it a little easier to read. Yeah, so I've got an example here. So you just, uh, you know, on the Bible app, uh, you know, you you click on a verse in the Bible app and you hit the word compare and you can pick the translations. Um, So this helps when you're studying because you can just see how different translators decided how they decided to translate this verse. Um, And the more different the the translations are, the, the more it's probably important for you to look at the Greek because there's probably some some strong difficulty with the Greek there. Um, and really, if you want really want to dig deep into, you know, theology, you're going to have to understand that Greek anyways. Um, all right. So looking at the chart here, though, so I, I've got John three sixteen pulled up. And so if you look at this chart, um, let's go from let's go from all the way from the, the left side. So a, a very the most word for word translation, according to this chart. I mean, it's, these are all debatable on where they should be on the chart. But uh, so the NASB. John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so only begotten or uh, one and only you'll see in just a second but his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so then if you kind of ease on over and go to like maybe uh you know right in the middle so in the CSB study Bible I have it calls it calls the middle like an optimal equivalence and so it's like that mix between formal and thought for thought but um, so like in the CSB, it says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. So that's a that's an understanding of what only begotten actually means. His one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. All right. So that's like the CSB. Then you kind of go over to the other side, like in the NLT. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So you kind of see as you read these different translations that uh, that they're not, they're, you know, they're 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 pretty much similar. It's just different ways they word it, uh, you know. But uh, honestly, if you go look up the message translation, the things that are way off, I don't know what the voice translation is, but if it's farther than the message, I would probably stay away from it. But you know, and it's not necessarily oh, that the no. message is you know is terrible, but it's like. It's more of like a summary of the scriptures rather than even translating the scripture. So like the NLT is a thought for thought translation, but it still, you know, it still stays true to the text. So that's why it's a little closer to the, to the, to the line there, but it still is a more thought for thought translation. And you'll see a lot when you compare the translations NLT to, to more word for word ones, that you'll see that the NLT translators kind of add their interpretation into the translation that they come up with. Right. And so you look at something like the message. So the message, like I said, it just kind of summarizes. It doesn't really teach you the scripture. Um, and if you had it there in, there in church, you would have a very hard time even following along like this. It says this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. 
Anyone who, who refuses to trust in him, trust him, has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. So, obviously, like, that's not wrong, you know. It's just not, it's not really safe to the, to the text, you know. And so if you're going to really start reading your Bible and things like that, you're going to want to, you're going to want something closer, at least to the middle line. Um, you know, the NLT is still a good thought for thought translation. Uh, but yeah, that's just one example of different, you know, different ways that it'll sound in different translations. And, uh, you know, and you can always look up the Greek, you know, I use blue letter Bible and you can look up the Greek or Hebrew of a text and just see, okay, this is what the original word meant. Uh, you're still going to have to have like a little bit of an understanding of, of how the Greek language works. Like when you look at John 1, 1 and you look at, you know, should it be the, like, should he, should it be, uh, he is the God or a God, or is he God, uh, in, in essence or, or thought, um, you know, in John 1, 1, like stuff like that, you're going to have to have a little bit of a background in, in, in Greek, but a lot of times you can just see the word and say, okay, this word literally means this and uh you know like only begotten literally means one and only you know um uh, is another way to translate it so you know if you look into the greek you'll you'll start seeing some of that stuff and you can do that easily on the blue letter bible uh website or uh, i'm not sure how well it works on the app i've had a hard time with the app but uh the website works works pretty good what about the hawaiian pigeon translation oh i forgot to read that one <laughs> Where does that fit in all this? <laughs> so Hawaiian pigeon translation is, uh, it is like a, uh, uh, it's not really, I think Christian just like to hear me say it. <laughs> it makes yes. me sad, but, you know, it's not like, it's actually a dial. It's like a Hawaiian dialect. So uh, it sounds silly to us and, and we kind of joke about it, but, you know, maybe we shouldn't because it really is a dialect, but, uh, you know, it's, it just sounds funny to us, but. Like John three sixteen is translated, God got plenty of love and aloha for the people, people inside the world. That's why He sent me His one and only boy. Cause of that, everybody that trust me no gonna get cut off from God forever. They gonna get the real kind of life that gonna stay to the max forever. <laughs> John three sixteen, a Hawaiian pigeon Bible. So <laughs> that would oh, make really? it difficult. Uh, you know, be, might be kind of difficult to learn, but. Um, you know, I don't know. I've heard some of the ways these you talk, and it's kind of they kind of sound like that when they're talking to me. So. <laughs> I mean, the King James. I mean, it's just as confusing as that to me. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but what is and it? Then it's cool, Carl. You know more. The Gen Z translation. But. Oh yeah, you got cool Carl too out there. <laughs> <laughs> There's some animal, I can't remember the animal off the top of my head, but in the King James, it, somewhere in the Old Testament, it references um, like a turtle or something like that. And I read it and like the animal is completely different than what it was actually trying to describe like today. Uh, I guess it's because maybe we have, you know, different, closer words to the different species or something like that. But <laughs> I was like, what the heck does this even mean? And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, wow, it's just uh, it's just that archaic language you got to deal with, uh, you know, when you when you use the King James Version, uh, you know, and I, I, I mean, so I have to look it up. I can't remember what that animal was. There's a mention of turtle in the Song of Solomon. You know, and it it was it would be around there somewhere okay. where I read it. Okay, interesting. I don't know. If I can find it off the top of my head. Yeah, or well, it's been a while since I, mean, I haven't read the King James Bible in a while, but yeah, they used the other word for donkey in the King James. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a word a, we can't say. You know, if you really want to get a headache and a good laugh at the same time. Uh, there's a guy, his name's Steven Anderson. Uh, I'm almost convinced this guy's not even a Christian <laughs> just because of the way he talks and stuff. But, uh, listen, Steven Anderson, bro, if you want to come on here and defend yourself, you, you, you send me an email. Um, but, uh, at graceball ministries at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah graceball ministries gmail.com. But he has this, he has this super funny video. I mean, he didn't think he was being funny, but he, he went through, uh, an old text Testament text talking about the King James and how the King James is, you know, the only Bible that sticks true to God's, you know, holy word. And, 
and uh, and he mentions uh, this phrase in, in the in the book of Kings that says, "Real men pisseth against the wall," and he goes on this rant and he starts saying that only that real man peace standing up, and he has people in his congregation yelling out, "Amen." And he said, he said, those translators of the NIV are a bunch of sissies that peace sit down. You know, it was just, uh, it was one of the funniest videos. And it, it, so it makes you laugh because it's just so silly, but it also gives you headache because, you know, this guy is trying to be genuine. Uh, <laughs> you know, just the, yeah. the, just the thoughts that come through there, you know, and he was talking about some country he went to and that there was a sign that says men must sit down to pee <laughs> something like that. It was so stupid. And, uh, you know, so you want a good laugh. It was, it was a good laugh for you. Uh, and uh, But you want the best laugh, though. You got to go on there and look at the comments. Like one guy, he said, what if I'm pooping and a little bit of pee comes out? Am I sitting then? Am I still a real man? <laughs> so, anyways, that's my Steven Anderson rant. I guess we can move on to which translation is the best. I think we've I think we're kind of giving it away, though. <laughs> yeah, that. We gave it away that King James is definitely the best translation right there. No, I'm kidding. But there are people like that who stick hard to the King James and try to deny all these other translations. But as you've listened, you can kind of tell that that's not true. That these minority texts, manuscripts that we found that have been closer dated to Christ would stand true above them. And so I guess I can start with translations. If you're looking at translations and you walk into a store, I mean, if you're a newer believer, if you're younger, like for our kids ministry, we have like the NIV, a lot of the study Bibles in our youth group that were bought prior to me or NIV. Um, when I was first in youth group, when I, graduated from elementary school and went into middle school and went in the youth group. I got an NLT. It was like a guy's application study Bible and it was NLT. And then I think almost like the more you mature or the better you get at reading the Bible, you can go towards more of the word for word translations. And then sometimes like I read the NASB. That's probably my favorite translation, probably because I'm a Bible nerd. But sometimes I read it and I'm like, I have no idea what this means. So I look back at the NIV, I look back at the NLT to try to figure out exactly what it means because it puts it in easier terms to understand, I think. But NASB is great, ESV is great. CSB, I'm Baptist, and the joke is that's the core Southern Baptist translation. So I'm always good for that translation too. Yeah, and people say that because CSB – uh, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, there was over a hundred different translators that helped translate it, uh, but it's published by Southern Baptists. And so you'll see like Southern Baptist articles, Southern Baptist footnotes, uh, stuff like that. But uh, like, you know, footnotes for like study Bibles and apologetics Bible, stuff like that. You're going to see more of like a Southern Baptist uh, twist on the doctrine and the twist. It sounds bad. Yeah. Uh, Southern Baptist take on the doctrines and, and verses and understanding things. And, uh, you know, so. Uh, my preference right now has been the CSB. Uh, I picked one up a few years ago, and I just uh, I really like it. It's, uh, it doesn't seem as grainy to me as like the NASB, uh, but it doesn't seem like you know like I love the NLT too. Like, and they're all kind of in the center there. But uh, I think the NLT does a good job at like just making it just really easy to read. And actually, if you're listening to the NLT uh, Bible on the uh, Bible app, uh, you know it's it's actually uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's like dramatize. That's the word. So it actually dramatizes it as you read it. Um, so, it, it, you know, it kind of helps, you know, to help you stay focused a little bit. Uh, but I think that like even Dr. Ray, one of our professors from school, I mean, he has a Ph.D. in New Testament. And he told me one time he said, you know, a lot of times like, well, of course, he can just pick up a Greek Bible and just read it. So there's no there's no better word for word than being able to read the Greek. So <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah. But he said, he's like, you know, I could, I could use the NLT. He said, I use it a lot for like devotionals and stuff. So that way, you know, I could just read it and it just, it reads so smooth and easy that it helps out a lot when you're doing like devotionals and things. Um, 
you know, so my preference is the CSB, um, you know, I, I mean, it's just, I don't, it's, it's just kind of silly for me to kind of pick one or the other, because, um, I mean, if you're really doing your research, I mean, I don't think any of these are going to be harmful to you, you know, maybe using some of the thought for thought translations might just because you're going to get away, I think a lot from the text. And so it's probably not best to use those very often, but you know, they do have their purpose, you know, just to kind of understand ideas and, you know, just like a kid's, you know, they got like, like Emerald, my daughter, my two-year-old daughter. I mean, she's got kids Bibles, but you know, there's no verses quoted. It's just like a, you know, picture book with a couple words that, you know, um, you know, that would be like a, I guess a thought for thought, <laughs> you know, but action study Bible. Yeah. Like yeah. Right. Um, uh, you know, so I don't think there's really a bad translation and as much, you know, the, 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 uh, no, the King, as much as we picked on the King James version, it's not a bad translation. You're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to miss out. If you read the King James, uh, well, you might, you know, it's just going to be, it's just going to be difficult to read. Um, but you know, if you're used to it and you, you know what the heck that word for turtle means, (laughs) you know, because one one of the issues I faced as a preacher is when I would preach out of the King James, I and that's what happened. I, I I come across this word, I had no idea what it meant in English, and because it was archaic English, and so I had to figure out what the English meant, and then I had to go back and study the Greek. And so it was just like double work trying to figure out what in the world these these words mean uh when I'm preaching out of the of the King James. And not only that, the 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 thoughts of like the, the, I think the flow of the King James is kind of, uh, it's kind of difficult to, um, to, to kind of help you understand a lot. So, uh, bottom line, I mean, my take on it is you're not going to hurt yourself. If you use the NASB, you're not going to hurt yourself. If you use the NIV, you know, there are issues with, um, you know, a lot of people have issues with the NIV just because of some of the, not because it's a bad translation, but just because of some of the, translation decisions that they made while they were translating. Um, and so if you have a good study Bible though, and the study Bibles, I would suggest like a CSB study Bible, ESV study Bible. But if you, if you have a good study Bible, uh, it's going to notate all that stuff anyway. So if you see something notated, ask your pastor, ask, ask your teacher or whatever, um, you know, or just look it up, look it up on blue letter Bible and see what the issue is between the English and the Greek and why it was translated or why it was taken out or, you know, do a couple of Google searches, find some solid websites and just do some research, you know, or uh, go on got questions. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's and, that, and I just I that brings it up. You know, the, the last thing we want to talk about is just the different uh, types of Bibles. So you got different translations, but there's also like different types of Bibles. Uh, Christian, you want to go ahead and you want to get started on that? And maybe I can uh, I need to be able to pull a few up here. Yeah. So, I mean, you can. A lot of translations now especially have their own version of the study Bible. You have the CSB study Bible, you have the ESV study Bible, you have the NIV study Bible, you got the King James. I think there's a King James study Bible. But then there are certain pastors that have written their translations. You have the Tony Evans study Bible, you have the John MacArthur study Bible, I have the Charles Browery study Bible, you have David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, the list goes on and on and on. So those are all good. You just want to make sure that the guy you're pulling up is reputable and of good theology. And so you have those specific ones. Then you have subjects. you got discipleship, pastoring, um, apologetics, and then uh, a more newer, more newer English or hard, a newer type of Bible that I've seen is that he reads truth and that she reads truth, which I've heard a, good, a lot of good things about. Those are different specific study Bibles also. And life application and uh, you got the old Schofield and Thompson Chain. Yeah, I love like the Chain reference. <laughs> that thing yeah. handy a lot more times than you would think. Sorry. You know, you got, you know, skill fields, another one, but my, my, my suggestion, uh, you know, is, I mean, honestly, if you can, if you can work it out, I think you, there's different Bibles for different purposes. 
you know, like I, I do everything with my CSB study Bible, like my devotions and my sermon prep and everything, uh, you know, just because I, I everything's written down in one place and I kind of like it like that. But, you know, maybe you need like one Bible that is for study and one Bible that is more for like devotional purposes, especially if you write all over your Bibles and highlight and all kinds of stuff. You know, it might mean. Yeah, Bibles. yeah. So if you want like a, you know, if you want like a devotional Bible, you know, maybe. Maybe get a note-taking Bible where you can add your prayers and stuff on the sides and your thoughts that God's given you do on the side. There's some Bibles that uh, one of my favorites that I, I, I have is an apologetic CSB Bible where it has uh, different notes about how Scripture has been twisted by different cults and uh, different things like that. And, different, and then there's going to be articles in there about various things. And, uh, you know, and then some Bibles are just plain. They're just like, here's the translation, and they're more for like, you know, gifts or just for reading. There's no, you know, footnotes really. There's maybe cross references or something like that. I mean, uh, almost every Bible Here has church. references. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I have some of those, like even the little tiny, I mean, there's those tiny New Testaments, you know, those are good to use to, you know, share the gospel with people. You can have them actually read it, you know, uh, you can have them read it and then you can just give it to them, you know, because they're, they're cheap, you know, a couple cents. Uh, for them and you can give them out you know pretty easily so um so don't just don't get overwhelmed if you're trying to figure out what bible to buy uh you know and ask somebody i mean you ask somebody i, I remember somebody did ask me one time they were saying what kind of bible should i buy you know um but my my first suggestion is always get a study bible because that's probably going to help you out the most um because you know even as you're doing a devotional you can kind of read the notes and it may help you to kind of understand the idea of what's going on uh, but of course, to do really deep study, you're going to have to go deeper than footnotes in a study Bible. So, uh, but yeah, I think there's a there's a purpose in place for all of them. I I, I think so. Uh, yeah. So, Christian, you got any uh, final thoughts? Any, you know, something to, for people to take away? I mean, there's no reason to get in a fight about any of this. Um, it's all the word of God and find the translation that you'll actually read. Cause I know a lot of youth or some people have these Bibles that they were given. Like, I think half of our baby Bibles are like King James version. And it's just the Psalms, Proverbs and new Testament that were given when we're born and child dedication and stuff like that. And it's, they're like, I don't really read it cause I don't understand it. So find a translation that you can read and that is sticking true to the word. The clo I think the closer you can get to the word for word, probably the better, as long as you can read it and you can understand it. And so I would encourage you to do that and just dive into the word. Those study Bibles are there to help you. It's a bunch of guys who have studied the word for as long as we've been alive and longer. And so to have their notes, see what God has taught them is always, uh, always something. Yeah, so um, my final thoughts are, you know, just to, to just something to really take away and get a hold of all this. Uh, for one, I hope it kind of encourages you to, I mean, we, we went through that history and stuff real fast. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll encourage you to go back and uh, be honest with you, might be, we might need to be fact-checked on some of that. But, <laughs> you know, go, go back and look at the history. I mean, it's pretty fascinating how God preserved his word and made sure his word made it throughout history. Uh, it's pretty fascinating just to see that. And then look at the front of your Bible. It probably explains your translation that you have and how it came about and uh, you know the history of it, the dates of it. Um, you know, and if you're looking for a Bible, like I said, I would, I would start with a study Bible. Um, and then if you have the resources, maybe get a couple more, but, you know, and, and I always have Bibles to give away just as a pastor, but maybe just get some basic ones just to give away or get some New Testaments to be able to share the Romans Road of Salvation with somebody. Uh, you know, so just, just you know, just get the Bible <laughs> and uh, and get in it. Get get into God's Word. And, you know, if you feel more comfortable using King James, use it. If you feel more comfortable using the CSB, use it, you know. Uh, whatever whatever you're most comfortable with and something you can actually understand. Um, I have seen that before. Like somebody told me, well, I just like the King James. It's just so much easier for me to understand. But then when they read it, it is it is you know, so choppy. You know, 
don't then we don't use something if it's not really helping you understand it you know you get get you a translation that'll help you to understand it and just read it smoothly and you know maybe maybe you do need the nlt because it's dramatized on the bible app maybe to help you focus a little better i don't i don't know i don't know what your needs are but you know if anybody wanted to reach out and you know wanted advice you know just tell us your circumstance and maybe we could kind of help you figure out what would be the best translation for you you know and and even like pastors like there's some bible there's like a bible i have that is really for preaching like the way it sits on the on like it sits and it stays open and different things like that and it's not real bulky you know so it's a bible i use for sermons i don't write in it, it it's just clear the 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 wording is is big enough where it's not hard to see it and while i'm preaching so there's different you know there's different reasons just different different strokes for different folks you know so um just um <laughs> You know, just pick a pick a translation that that really works for you and your circumstance. And the most important thing is to just be in God's word and uh, trust that He's going to speak to you through His word. Uh, and I can promise you, I've heard from people that say that God has spoken to them through the CSB, God has spoken through to them through the NLT, God has spoken to them through the KJV. So, uh, you know, just make sure you're in God's word and listening to His voice as you study and learn and read it. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's kind of where I would leave it. And we just want to say thank you guys so much for watching. We hope you benefited from this. and hope you're encouraged by this. I hope that you kind of at least get a better understanding of uh, Bible translations. And if there's any of these topics, like we always say, if you want us to go deeper on anything, just send us an email, gracebombministries.gmail.com, or reach out to us. Uh, but we're, we're, uh, we're glad to make this available for you as you – are, are, are thinking about different topics, you know, not just this topic, but other, you know, other things we, we have talked about. So, uh, so anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you all on the next podcast. God bless. Oh, let me add this before we quit. <laughs> um, so after this one is released, the next podcast we are recording, uh, probably, uh, well, that, well, for sure, the next one we're recording is a uh, is a uh, debate on the Trinity. I'm debating a, a Hebrew Israelite on the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, so, really defending one of the foundations of the Christian faith. Um, so, just we just want to make sure that you know, just make sure that you're praying for us. Uh, you know, Christian's moderating it, so pray for him. <laughs> he has the patience to do it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just uh, you know, just keep us in prayer. And uh, be watching out for that, and 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 we'll probably have another podcast uh, in between then, uh, between this one and then and and that uh, debate. So, uh, but yeah, just keep us in prayer as we do that, and just pray that God is honored and glorified and gives uh, gives me the wisdom what to say. Uh, so, anyways, with that, we'll see you on the next podcast. <laughs> God bless. Thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. Uh, I know there's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And if you would, uh, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, podcast, please you know, leave a five-star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries.